Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's final teaching in his series in the book of Hebrews called Honoring Honorable Leaders. So when we go verse by verse through the Bible, some of you may wonder, why is that living truth approach? Well, because we're called to teach the full counsel of God, and I know that when I preach a Sunday, I know exactly what I'm preaching the next Sunday. It's the next chunk of Scripture. I never have Saturday night jitters. Never. Unless we're going to go to a psalm, but if, if, we, if we pause from our verse-by-verse teaching, as you well know, if you've been here for a while, it's only because maybe there's a sense of a holy nudge to take a break and go to a psalm or somewhere else. But for the most part, this is what we do. Why? Because we're getting the full counsel of God, and on top of that, we're not skipping difficult texts, whether they be about leadership, whether they be about sexuality, whether they be about roles of men and women, it's all going to come. You're going to get it all in the Bible, amen? You're going to get the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to go through the book of Judges, and we're going to see war and ugly stuff and chaos and everybody doing what was right in his own eyes. How applicable is that to today? Amen? Amen. But I will tell you that as a Bible teacher, there's some chapters that I look ahead and I'm like, I don't really want to teach that. Honestly, in my flesh, I don't want to teach it because I know it's not going to necessarily be received well by everybody. So obey your leaders and submit to them because they keep watch. They have a job to do. They are to keep alert and watch over your souls. In 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul said, To Timothy, these words, 1 Timothy 4.16, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you, 1 Timothy 4.16. So we're having a conversation outside, and and I'll I'll tell you this, and I'm going to get off this in a minute, but I I just want to tell you what I see in church culture. I see churches doing box series on at the movies. Churches doing series, it looks like all these churches have purchased the series from the same outfit. 20 minutes of a movie clip and a 10-minute commentary with a little light and fluffy, a couple of scriptures in there, and that's about it. And most of the sermon is a movie clip. Now, I like movies as much as the next person. But when I come to church... I come for the word of God. I can watch a movie at home, amen? Amen. So I don't want you to think that I'm trying to be mean because that's not what I'm doing. I'm concerned, actually. I'm concerned. Because here's what we see in the culture. We see oftentimes polls are done and a good majority of Americans still say what? I'm a Christian. And then we see behavior and we go, now, wait a minute. You know, it used to be a decade or, or so ago, it was something like 70 to 80% of Americans were saying they were Christians. And I'm like, well, where's the disconnect then? And it may well be that people are just checking boxes on medical forms or answering polls 
And I get that. But it also may be that people in the church, quote unquote, are not very well taught. Like, for example, could you make a good argument right now for some of the things I've touched on? And I think many of you could. But you're not going to be able to make a good argument unless someone teaches you what the Bible says, right? Or you're doing a good job on your own. So notice these leaders keep watch, watchtower imagery, and they are those middle of 17 who will give an account. So Romans 14, if you're taking notes, Romans 14, um, I don't have the exact verse in front of me, but um, just, just for now, Romans 14, you can, you can find it on your own, says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every Christian is going to give an account, and we all celebrate the fact that that's probably pointing to a Bema seat where it's dealing with rewards. Our sin was paid for at the cross. We all know that. But the other verse I was thinking of is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what we've done, whether good or bad. Here's my point. James 3.1 says, let not many of you be teachers for we will incur the stricter judgment. Here's, here's what James is getting at. James is not saying, don't anybody go into the ministry. No, it's a beautiful thing if you aspire to the ministry. 1 Timothy 3.1. If a man aspires to the office of the overseer, it's a beautiful thing he desires to do. 1 Timothy 3.1. But just know that if you teach others the word of God, you will give an account for your teaching. Now, as you just survey the landscape of the professing culture, there's pastors that you'd say, yeah, that person seems to be like, really believes he's gonna stand before God and give an account. And then there's other people that you watch and you're like, I'm not sure that that person really believes they're gonna give an account. Let me just give you one example. Benny Hinn who has done all these healing crusades over time, and I know the gospel has gone forth from Benny's mouth more than once. But what Benny did a few years ago is he publicly repented for his word faith theology. So he said, I'm done with it. I'm finished with it. I'm not going to manipulate people for money anymore. I don't believe it anymore. And then a recent video has emerged where Benny is in a luxury automobile, and he's using the same old tactic that he's used all along. And so here's the question. Did Benny repent? Well, if you have a ministry where all this money is flowing in and, you know, extravagant lifestyles are being lived and there's no accountability, and then you hear the same old, you know, give to my ministry and it's always my ministry. You give to my ministry and you're going to get this blessing. And that's kind of what he was doing. In this particular um, podcast I was watching, the, the, the guy was just saying, it's sad. He was like brokenhearted over it because Benny said he repented and then he's using the same old tactics. And you say, what's the same old tactics? Sow your seed into my ministry and here's what God's gonna do for you. But they're largely empty promises, often twisting scripture to his own destruction. I'm just being honest. And, and, I, and I'm bringing it up because here's where we are in the text. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them because they're watchmen who are gonna give an account to God. Now, this is for the congregant. 
Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Don't cause your leaders a ton of grief. (laughs) Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, here's what I would say. My experience in the ministry is, yes, there's been some blips on the screen and certainly been some hard times. And, you know, if you look at uh, things that you're called to do, in particular in the ministry, there's some tough things, right? You, you go, sometimes you deal with people at the lowest points of their life. And, but look, we have a lot of privilege too as pastors. And I, and I want to say something to, to you guys as the flock is that you do a tremendous job encouraging us, caring for us. And I want to take a moment just to honor all the pastors here and our elders and our deacons and all of our leadership because there's a tremendous godly group leading this fellowship. And amen, you can can clap for them. And I will tell you this, between our elders, pastors, and lay leaders and all of that. It's, it's an amazing group of people so incredibly dedicated to the kingdom of God. And they make uh, the work a joy. And sometimes there's some hard things. Yes, it's true. But I will tell you this. I think the more mature a congregation is, the job of the pastor is easier because here's what happens. You guys know your accountability first and foremost is to your shepherd. So if, I often tell people, look, if you want to have a good marriage, just have two people committed to God. And if they believe that they made the covenant before God and they're accountable to God, then that marriage is going to be healthy because they're ultimately knowing that they're answering to the Lord. Amen? So I think that's what happens is that when a group is well taught, then their conduct follows. And they make the job of the leadership easier. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. But there's, uh, let me just read Hughes when he says, This call is not for slavish, blind obedience, but a respectful, submissive spirit. Uh, Another writer says, This is not blanket obedience to some dictatorial leader. Uh, Jim Jones, when he got all those people to drink the Kool-Aid, Well, we know what was going on, right? He was a manipulator, and some of those people were trying to get out of there, and they couldn't because they were threatened with guns. But how did it get to that point? Well, Jim Jones convinced people that he had all authority and power. So here's the thing. Take verse 7 with 17 and know this, that if you're going to follow a leader, it's because he's teaching the word of God, he, you, you can imitate his faith and you follow him as you follow Christ, as he follows Christ. But this is not blanket submission to anybody who has a business card. That's not how this works. Just because you have a title doesn't mean you can throw your weight around. And Jesus confronted the apostles with that and he said, look, the, the, the Gentile lords, they lord it over people, but that's not what my kingdom is about. He who would be greatest among you shall be what? Servant of all. I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Paul said, it's been my honor, I'm paraphrasing, to, be, to basically be a drink offering on your behalf. 
So that's biblical leadership. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. This is not blanket submission to anybody who has a business card. That's not how this works. Just because you have a title doesn't mean you can throw your weight around. And Jesus confronted the apostles with that, and he said, look, the, the, the Gentile lords, they lord it over people, but that's not what my kingdom is about. He who would be greatest among you shall be what? Servant of all. I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Paul said, it's been my honor, I'm paraphrasing, to, be, to basically be a drink offering on your behalf. So that's biblical leadership. That's biblical leadership in a marriage. That's biblical leadership in the church. It is not about throwing one's weight around. And if you do that, if you start barking orders and become a dictator and you get them to line up and whatever you're going to do, that is not healthy, nor is that New Testament leadership. So I think you can see the balance here. Yes, there's a call to the church, but you can see the significant responsibility to those who are leaders. And of course, the writer says, you know, if you give them grief, it's going to be unprofitable for you. Let me just say this to balance out verse 17. Obviously, there's going to be things in every church, every local church that could improve and could be better. But if there's a good, solid leadership in a local church, then we try to give grace on things that are not terribly important. You know, Uh, there's always going to be little things everywhere. But if you've got good leadership, rejoice in that. Try to encourage it. And you're going to see that this particular writer is going to give another command and that, or exhortation, and that is this. He's going to say, pray. That's verse 18. (laughs) Pray for us. For we are sure, or we're convinced that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably. I use that in the title. The word honorably is kalos in Greek. It means to behave well, appropriately, beautifully, excellently, finely, morally, rightly. You could say it this way. Our aim is to always do things well and always do things right. We want to do all things that way. End of 18, so pray for us. Christian leadership is strengthened by encouragement and prayer. And uh, perhaps some of these folks were complaining. Maybe they were doing more complaining than praying. Spurgeon uh, delivered a sermon on May 27th 
I think it was 1855, and he said these words. His concluding comments, my people, shall I ever lose your prayers? Will you ever cease your supplications? Well, will ye then even cease to pray? I fear ye have not uttered so many prayers that morning as ye should have done. I fear there has not been so much earnest devotion as might have been poured forth. For my own part, I have not felt the wondrous power I sometimes experience. Spurgeon basically says to his congregation, I'm sensing less power, and my conclusion can only be that you're praying for me less. Wow. Now, if you know anything about Spurgeon, he was the prince of preachers, and he preached with a dynamic spirit, you know, empowered uh, ministry, and thousands and thousands flocked to hear Spurgeon preach. But Spurgeon told his congregation, my sense is that you're not praying for me as much because I, I don't sense the power up here that I've sensed at other times. And I'll just tell you this, that anyone who preaches knows this very well. There's times when your cadence, your insights into the word of God, etc., can only be coming from an endowment from heaven. And when you don't have it, you know it. <laughs> And when you know it, you, you almost feel like when you're preaching, you're dying naked in front of a group of people. I stole that from Alistair Begg. But, but th- my point is this. It's got to be the power of God or it isn't going to work. So some of the most important things that we do prior to a Wednesday night service, and I keep telling you guys, and some of you are there, is we pray. Because if we, pray, if we don't pray, there's no power. And yes, God's word already has power, but I think you all know what I'm saying. If we desire power in our lives and churches, we must pray. How different, says R. Kent Hughes, the modern church would be if the majority of its people prayed for its pastors and lay leadership. There would be supernatural suspensions of business as usual worship, close quote. You ever sensed it before when, I remember last year at our men's retreat on Saturday night, the Holy Spirit was just moving and there was just some cool stuff happening where God was just touching men left and right. And it's always so sweet when you experience that. And I'm not saying that if we just pray enough, it's automatically gonna happen. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we need to call upon the Lord So will you commit yourself to pray for your pastors? Many of you pray for us regularly and we appreciate that. Do we pray for pastors nationally that have a huge platform? Uh, I can think of many right now who I might just assume they're okay. I mean, I hear them on the radio all the time. They have big ministries, but that doesn't mean anything. They're just men. They're just like you and me. They could fall on their face tomorrow. And some of them have. Have you been watching? I mean, we've had some major falls in the last five or ten years. Not to mention the other departures that have occurred in the Christian music world. Pray for them. Pray for me, says Chrysostom. Pray for us. Please pray. Because we desire to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And we know if we're going to do it, we're going to need your prayer. And I urge you, 19... 
all the more to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now you can see that the author is not with them, so he's urging continued prayer, not only that they might do things well, but to be restored back to them soon. This means that he believes that prayer could affect the outcome. We must bring into intercession the conviction that God can use our prayers to affect change when humanly speaking, says one author, change seems impossible. I know there's a theological debate on how much our prayers affect the ultimate plan of God. But let me just say, we've been called to pray, have we not? And this author says, I believe that God is going to use your prayers towards a restoration of our relationship. Traveling mercies, timing, Paul sometimes qualified it with Lord willing if this will happen, but he still says pray. Now the next two verses have become life verses for me. They're probably the most beautiful benediction you're going to read in the Bible. Uh, When I share correspondence with people, I often end it with Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Here's what it says. Now, he asked them to pray for him. Now he prays for them. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom or to him be the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You've been listening to Honoring Honorable Leaders, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews, Chapter 13, Verses 17 through 35. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, maybe you have that friend that is a prayer warrior, and when uh, you need prayer, they're the, they're the first phone call. But you're like, you know what? As far as my prayer life is concerned, it is definitely wanting. And I think if you took a survey among most Christians, they'd probably say, yeah, my prayer life needs to improve. How can I pray without ceasing? How can I consistently pray for brothers and sisters in Christ, family members, those who are lost, who don't know the Lord. What what do I do? How do I even begin a prayer life? Well, you know what? Keeping it simple, I think, is a really good thing. And one thing that as my Christian life goes on, and I will tell you that I haven't arrived in this area far from it, is I try to make my day a day of prayer. It's not so much that it's a, a prayer over breakfast or one prayer when I get out of bed. I try to be in communion with the Lord. And sometimes words are not necessary, and sometimes they are. And I love 
individual prayer and I love times of corporate prayer, but I also just love walking with the Lord. And and my life can be a life of prayer. Even when I'm doing other things on a sub-level, I want to be fellowshipping with God in prayer. And if you find it difficult, you're not alone. But I would just say this. Maybe find out where a prayer meeting happens in your local church. Maybe ask someone else, hey, would you meet me once a week for prayer? Maybe start, if you're married, say to your spouse, you know what? Obviously, we need to pray more together. Let's start today with just a simple time of prayer. You know, if you start just with the simple, achievable goals, I think you'll see that you'll find growth in that area. Hey, if we can help you in any way, reach out to us at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. You can send us a note through the website. You can also reach out at 844-48-TRUTH. That's a number where you can call pastors available Tuesday through Friday during normal business hours, specific time, 844-48-TRUTH. This is Pastor Michael, and we'll do part three tomorrow, and we'll see you right here. Tell a friend, and we'll meet you here. God bless. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 through 35, called Honoring Honorable Leaders. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.